The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. The Crossman Conversation is hosted by John Crossman. John's heart is to see our community of leaders unite around what we have in common. John will be joined by political leaders, religious leaders, as well as activists making a difference in our nation. Here is your host for the Crossman Conversation, John Crossman. Well, this is John Crossman, and welcome to the Crossman Conversation. I'm here with Mike Gillen. Mike, how are you, sir? Hey, doing great, my friend. Hey, listen, before we get started, I got a quick story for you. All right. Are you ready? Bring for it this? on. Listen. So, uh, I am a kick in mind, I'm a freshman at Florida State University, 1989, and um, one of my first kind of days on the campus, and I'm walking to the track. And, you know, sometimes you could just remember something very specifically. Cause there's this guy coming the other way, walking right past me. And I just, it just hit me just like, and I looked at this guy and if I had given him a nickname in that moment, this guy I never met and he was breathing hard. He clearly just finished a run himself. I would have named him Quadzilla. Um, and he had these, these big thick quads. And I was like thinking, gosh, that guy just looks like a really amazing runner. Well, turns out, uh, he was, and we were on the track team together and he was a 400 meter guy, just like me. Oh, right. Right. And so it's interesting because, you know, we're training partners every day, uh, but then we're also competitors. You know, you're competing in a way, right? So uh, two years go by and we're at a track banquet and they're giving out awards. And they gave out this award of most improved performer, like they had sort of improved and gotten better. And it was a huge deal in my life. I still have that plaque, like it was a big deal to me. But what, what I remember the most, I can remember this moment in my brain like it was yesterday was... When they announced the award and said my name, the first person to applaud was that guy. All right. Yeah. And that guy is our guest today. All right. Our guest today is Nehemiah Jefferson, my longtime friend. Gotta love that first name. Oh my gosh. Great first name. He's he's an attorney. He's a pastor. But more than anything else, he sees sees himself as a servant. Nehemiah, how are you, sir? I am well in yourself. I'm doing good, my friend. Nehemiah, you have a lot going on. Like, I find it sometimes to describe it. So I want you to do it yourself. Like, if somebody just says, like, hey, day-to-day, what's Nehemiah going on in this world? Tell us all that you've got happening. Well, I spend the majority of my weekdays practicing as an attorney, practicing in areas of tax and estate planning, and then also have the role of a pastor. I am a pastor of a church in Tampa, Florida, Triumph Christian Church. And then beyond that, I am heavily involved with my charity. It's called the Love Alive Charity. And in that role, we seek to provide essentials by feeding and clothing the homeless in the state of Florida. That is a, a lot going on, Nehemiah. There's a lot of different aspects to that. Um, how do you sort of balance all that? And and partly, too, how do you have the energy to do all that? I would like to say I, I'm still trying to match your energy in, in a lot of, lot of ways, but it all begins with how I was raised and, and discipline. Everything, I believe, begins with, with discipline. And then just having the mindset that I am not only – seeking to enhance the things that I have going on in my life, but I'm also seeking to serve others and enhance the lives of others. So that is what, what drives me. That is my mission. That is my, my desire. And that's what I try to do on a daily basis. 
tell us tell us a little bit about your dad. What did your dad do, and how how did that influence you? My dad was a barber for fifty years. Wow! And I saw my dad when I woke up in the morning, and I saw him when uh, in the in the evenings after I came home from you know, practice and from from school. So he was a uh, or he was a very very hard hardworking man, and and even in his retirement to this day, he is still on the go. He actually worked till he was almost eighty years old as a barber. And so that's where a lot of my work ethic comes from, my father and, and my mother as well. You know, it's funny, Mike, I uh, actually stayed in his parents' house. Um, Is that right? Yeah, sure did. And something about Nehemiah's parents' house that I, I've only seen once in my life, this is the only example of that, is in, in every room of the house, they had a Bible mm. and it was open. You know what I mean? Isn't that interesting? Like, yeah. like, you know, like how you go to somebody's house and they might have like a Bible on a That's counter really or something cool. like that. But in every room of the house was an open Bible. And I was like, man, that is interesting. I've mm-hmm. never seen that before or since. No. And it was like just in the decor. It wasn't like, you know, oddly sitting there. It was like just part of the every room. And when I think about Nehemiah and sort of his worldview, he was raised in that kind of context, right. which that is environment. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. And then a hardworking guy who was doing kind of, you know, blue collar hard work. And that's sort of rooted in. And then Nehemiah, you're, 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 you're a professional, you're a white collar guy. And, you know, I, I guess that blue collar roots really sort of inspired you in that white collar environment. You're still a hardworking guy, but it's a more professional context. Is that correct? Indeed. Absolutely. So um, uh, tell us a little bit about the, uh, the tax estate work. Like uh, what would cause somebody to be like, man, I need to call Nehemiah. What, what, what does your client base look like that someone needs to have your services? There are several areas in which we practice, but one area is, is taxation. So that may include something as simple as tax preparation and something more complex, such as tax litigation or what we would call a tax controversy. If somebody has some type of issue with the Internal Revenue Service or another taxing jurisdiction like the state of Florida or state of Georgia. So that's sort of one large area of our practice. The other area is is estate planning, uh, wills, trust. And if you if you uh, some person a person passes away, we practice in probate. We also do business planning as well. So there there are a number of large areas in which we we practice. But usually, if it's an individual that that is a small business owner, they that is primarily our main client. Should I say it's somebody like a a small business owner. That makes sense. I uh, I was in Mississippi with my wife's family, and we were driving the car, and uh, all the whole family was in the car. And my father said, "Oh, hey, that's the funeral home that someday when we die, you will be uh, it'll go through there." And he goes, "We've already already paid for our coffins and our burial plots, you know." And uh, my daughters were just sort of mortified with that statement, like, "Why are you telling this?" And I quickly just said to Papa, "I said, thank you, Papa." And I said to the girls, "I'm like, listen." When your family members prepare for their their you know not potential but their passing in the future, they're giving us a gift. And so for some people, the the thought of it is so uncomfortable they just don't want to talk about it at all. Uh, but you really can give a wonderful gift to your children and grandchildren 
by being prepared. And a lot of what you do is the preparation. I'm sure you get some people on the other end where they're, they didn't prepare and then they're dealing with the hard stuff. But the better conversation is when somebody comes to see you and saying, how can I best prepare for that happening? Is, is that accurate? That is accurate. Because <laughs> the opposite is pretty painful, I imagine, correct? It certainly can be. A lot of times we have to have very difficult conversations. And that certainly is a lot easier to do on the front end as opposed to when something tragic has happened. When the uh, uh, the Great Recession happened, I had two separate friends, women that my wife and I knew. Their husbands died during the Great Recession. And in both situations, the husbands had no life insurance. And so it went from bad to way bad because then they lost their houses. And thankfully, over time, both those women have you know recovered and have you know moved on with their lives. But man, if either of those men had just had a baseline of like life insurance, it would have really been you know a big deal, right? So, uh, just Correct. having those bases covered is really, really, really critical. I always tell people it's like you know you need to have a great dentist, you need to have a great lawyer, and you have a great accountant. And you don't you know there's different degrees you need those, but having that relationship, like if somebody doesn't have, you know, a will or they don't have some baseline things, making sure you have an attorney to have that baseline stuff and go from there is really, really critical. And so having access to people like Nehemiah and others is just a super important part of life. Would you agree with that, Nehemiah? Absolutely. And I would like to say that I tell our clients to think of life insurance as love insurance. Hmm. Don't think of it as life insurance. Think of it as love insurance, because as you mentioned, what you're really doing is is showing love to those who will be having to deal with matters after you pass away. And they can always make the beneficiary their church or their, you know, the endowment of the university they went to. Um, There's other things they could do with that. And so that love could be for their kids, but it could also be for other things they're passionate about, correct? That is correct. Awesome. Okay. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back. And Nehemiah, I want to talk about the pastor side of your life. That's what I want to dive into next. Are you comfortable with that? Is that okay? Yes, sir. All right, my man. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back here with uh, Nehemiah Jefferson. As the largest property tax practice in North America, Ryan's professionals possess the local footprint and knowledge backed by a team with national expertise to help organizations minimize their property tax liabilities and ensure valuations are fair and accurate. With the Florida tax appeal deadlines approaching rapidly, local experts at Ryan work proactively with many jurisdictions across Florida well in advance of the August trim notice mailing to ensure our clients receive maximum tax savings. Guys, I use Ryan, and I hope you will too. Crossmock Services is a commercial real estate firm offering a wide range of professional services, including advisory, brokerage and leasing, investing, and property management. Our staff comprises the industry's most seasoned professionals who possess the needed knowledge in real estate investments, analysis, and portfolio management to drive growth. See how Crossmark can work for you. That's CrossmarkServices.com. I'd like to thank Maynard Cooper and Gale PC for being a sponsor of our program. 
Maynard is a full-service law firm with over 350 attorneys and 14 offices nationally who serve with professional excellence in everything from corporate and business matters to day-to-day legal issues. The office in Central Florida focuses its practice in real estate, corporate transactions and organization, banking and finance, along with trust and estates. To learn more, visit MaynardCooper.com. This is John Crossman, and I work with a lot of vendors in the commercial real estate industry. And I got to tell you, one of my favorite ones ever is my friends over at Construction Unlimited, Florida's premier roofing company, and they bridge the craftsmanship with the pinnacle of innovation. They're just one of the best groups because of the trust, the expertise, the quality, and my favorite part, they're really committed to the community. When you're thinking about roofing construction needs, keep Construction Unlimited at the top of your list. Once again, here is John Crossman. All right, we are back here with Nehemiah Jefferson, who's a attorney and an expert in tax and also a pastor and overall a servant. And one quick thing as we go into this next area in the pastor part of his life, Mike, I can remember in, I think, 1990, uh, living at my parents' house, and uh, my parents would get all these Christmas cards, you know, and I got like one Christmas card, and it was from Nehemiah Jefferson. Is that right? Yeah. And I just remember that feeling of being like, wow, I got a card, right? And uh, to this day, my wife and I sent out Christmas cards. And a part of that is just like that heart moment of like, mm-hmm. you know, just like caring means for a lot. It means a lot. And so I've always known Nehemiah to have a, a pastoral mindset. And so Nehemiah, with that in mind, I have a couple, couple of topics I want to ask you. The first one is I want to talk about mental health and it, its connection to faith and you and I were having lunch one time and you made the point about, you know, if you have an injury to your hand and you can kind of just rest your hand and, and keep doing what you're doing. But if you have an injury to your mind, you know, and your mental health, that that's, that's really about as bad as it can get. Cause it's like, it's not you. And then people can make some really unhealthy decisions. But can you talk about how do you as a pastor help people who may be struggling in a, in a mental health state? I believe the mind is one of, or perhaps even the most important thing that we should be be praying for as it relates to protection from the good good Lord. I find it extremely difficult. I would find it extremely difficult, even as a pastor, even as a Christian, not to have this this strong higher power to to rely on in very, very difficult times. There are there are things that we're all going to experience in life called valleys and vicissitudes. And these valleys and vicissitudes are often in between our vision, those things that, that we believe God has asked us to do or ordained us to do. And then our victory before they actually come to fruition, we have these valleys and vicissitudes. And, and so I, I'm often encouraging believers as well as non-believers to seek direction from from God because it is the good Lord who can provide us a peace that passes all understanding and a lot of that peace centers around uh, how we how we think and as well as how we feel so that's my prescription per se for those who who are having mental health challenges. 
You know, Nehemiah, it's interesting is that if you, if you gave me a room of really wealthy, successful people and said, hey, John, you know, what are your thoughts how to help them? It's like, well, you know, I don't know that they really need much help. You know, I don't know that they always have anything to add. But when I meet people who are in a bad place, um, that they are in the pit of addiction, uh, they're in a pit of uh, mental health crisis, they're in a pit of, you know, their child has a serious addiction and may not live, right? When I'm, when I'm, in, when I'm in those spaces, uh, the, the core to my advice to them is starting with having faith. You know, any 12-step program, anything where you think about like, man, this person is not thinking about what they're doing this summer. They're thinking about how do I make it to lunch, right? Like they're really thinking, how do I live through this day? It, it, it is critical in those situations to have faith and, you know, in the 12 Supremes are talking about a higher power, but to me, it's a believing in God and, and, and acknowledging Christ as his son. That's my experience. And I just feel like I, I don't know how people make it through without having their faith. And I think statistically, that's very true that when people are in those crisis places without faith, it, it is, it's about impossible. It is absolutely about impossible, you know? So the second thing I want to ask you about Nehemiah is, is truth. And, you know, I've always seen you as a guy that really tries to push towards learning, understanding truth. And yet we live in a society where uh, there's hard, painful conversations and truth becomes uh, elusive or rejected, or it becomes so painful people just don't want to talk about it. Um, but if we're going to start talking about really hard topics, we have to start with uh, telling the truth. So can you talk about that, the importance of truth as it relates to having hard conversations? Absolutely. I believe it is Second Timothy 4 and 3 where we are told that there will come a time where people will not endure or tolerate sound, sound teaching. That means there will be a time where people will reject the gospel. People will reject the truth. People will turn a blind eye. And certainly we see that in, in society now. But the mission does not change at all just because that is the case. Because we have to remember that we are more than conquerors and that ultimately we are victorious. So an individual in my position, have, I have to understand, or with that understanding, I should say, I must always act at the direction of God, act at the direction of Jesus Christ, and by doing so, I am fulfilling my obligation and my role as, as pastor. So that means preaching the unadulterated truth. So let me give you an example. Regardless of what's going on. Yeah, and, and so and sometimes I imagine that's received well, and sometimes that's hard. And so I want to give you kind of an, an example of that is that I was involved with a hospital, and, and they uh, had a presentation they gave me, some other people, and it was like, what's killing people in, in our community, right? And so what's the top five? What's the top 10? And when you look at what is killing people, right, here's the answer. It's a heart disease. It's diabetes. Uh, it's obesity. It's, you know, it's cancer and it goes through all stuff. And as you look at these things that literally are killing people in our community, a huge percentage of them are preventable, right? And a huge percentage of them are life choices, like, 
um, you know, exercise and, and diet, you know? And so uh, we think about people that, you know, riot and they write about other issues. And I'm not saying those other issues aren't important, but man, we don't have any riots where people are like down with donuts, up with carrots. Right. Um, but the reality, <laughs> you know, what I'm saying I'm seriously, but like, again, if we're concerned, we're like, Hey, I want to make sure people don't die. Here, here's a different one. Um, you know, people will talk about uh, gun control, gun rights, this big debate. 75% of gun deaths in America are suicide. 75%. Wow. And so if we really had a big conversation about um, mental health and people having faith, you know, that would make far more impact mathematically on gun violence reduction than any other, you know, bans or what other kind of stuff. And in the same vein, it's like, you know, the, the, when people talk about Black Lives Matters, it's like, yes, absolutely. And there's not that we shouldn't talk about institutionalized racist things, and we should and do, and that's important. At the same time, the issue of diabetes is, you know, far more, it's killing far more people, and, and we need to deal with that too. So to me, it's like that sure. balance of truth. And maybe I say it like this, Nima, I, I say it all the time with this, it's like, you can focus on principles, or you can focus on power, but it's hard to focus on both. And if you focus on principles, you'll let go of power. But if you focus on power, you let go of principles sometimes. And so in the heart of that, sure. what I hear from you is like you're focused on principles, and if that causes your power to go down, that's okay because you're focused on principles. Is that is that accurate? That is 100% accurate. All right. So to wrap things up here, um, if you had the chance to win a gold medal in the 400 meters or win – the largest wrestling title ever given out, which would it be, Nehemiah? Which would you take, the wrestling title or the 400-meter champion title? I am absolutely taking the wrestling title. <laughs> <laughs> and who would you beat in the, in, the, in the big bout? Who would you toss out of the ring? Who would it be in your fantasy scenario? It has to be, it has to be Ric Flair. No way. I thought you were going to say Andre the Giant. I want to see you press Andre the Giant and toss him out. But Ric Flair, <laughs> what do you got against Ric Flair? Why, why, why him? I just believe that he, he is the GOAT, the, the greatest of all, all times. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, and who is your favorite 400-meter runner of all time? I am going to go with John Crossman. <laughs> And a close second, we'll go with Michael, Michael Johnson. You know, it's funny, Mike, and I, I don't want to end this on a downer, but I, I just want to say the story. But um, Nehemiah and I, when we were in college, there was a guy a few years older than us uh, named Antonio Pettigrew. And I remember being at practice, and Nehemiah would say, oh, my gosh, Antonio Pettigrew is so good. Well, he had a, a thing where he would run and be number one in the world, and then he would disappear for a year and then come back. And so about 10 years ago, you know, they keep your blood when you're an Olympic team. They had update tests and tested. He tested positive for steroids, and that's what Uh-oh. he was doing. Yeah. And so, uh, about ten years ago, um, Antonio committed suicide. Oh. And that is uh, sad. he was yeah. his coach, and I remember calling Nehemiah, and, and it was such a devastating gut mm. punch because we admired him so much. You know, I'm like we mm. looked up to him, and yet, like, uh, he kind of lost his way, mm-hmm. right? And so it's sort of funny how your idols, you know, kind of things people, yeah. you know. Uh, wow. But Michael Johnson's a guy that, you know, he keeps on keeping on. I, I retweet a lot of his stuff. Nehemiah, one time uh, I commented on Carl Lewis's uh, comments on Twitter, and he liked it, and it was a big win for me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's exciting. <laughs> well, Nehemiah, thanks for being my longtime friend. Thanks for being my brother. 
and I'm grateful for all the massive work that you're doing and just keep on doing it and hope you'll stay in close touch with us. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity to speak with your, your team and your audience. Thank you, my friend. This has been John Crossman. This is the Crossman Conversation. And as always, support your local HBCU. This has been Crossman Conversation, produced by a Crossman Career Builders Mark Radio Production.